<sighs> no, because everything right now is bugging me. <laughs> like that's why I completely stopped uh, reading Twitter right now because it's I have a lot of people that are just really downers right now and just mm-hmm. kind of the sky is falling, which it might be, but man, it gets me down. I gotta watch myself. Oh yeah, I totally hear you. Twitter's the bummer. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a quirky podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in Polite Company. My name is Jose, and I'm joined by... Joel. And our wonderful repeat guest and sometimes co-host, the <laughs> other Jose. Jose Segura. There you go. Awesome. This is actually our second um, Skype uh, recording for our podcast because of the uh, coronavirus. So uh, in the last episode, Joel and I, we met at your house. But uh, this week, we're recording at different locations. It's quite strange, but it's probably going to be the new norm for a while, at least. For a while. So um, before we dive in, touch base with you and see what you all are drinking. I'm finishing off the corona from last week so continuing the corona virus corona what are you guys drinking or what do you got <laughs> sure and i have a chocolate stout on tap uh, on my counter it's from a mail order beer club that i belong to where stuff just comes right to my house and great. so uh, it's um out of uh, the bay area uh oh i can't remember the name of the brewery right now but uh it's a chocolate stout and it's really good Ooh, chocolate stout. That's way better than a Corona. Heck yeah. That sounds so good. I wish I had one because all I have is an 805, which I love, but I would much rather have a chocolate stout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to not leave the house unless it's, you know, essential. Mm -hmm. Not sure a beer run is essential (laughs) at at this point. It's funny you're mentioning that because there's a big uproar. Because I guess it's New York and might be other places have considered liquor stores essential businesses. And I think that's kind of appropriate in this. <laughs> right? Hey, you know what? If dispensaries are essential, then liquor stores must be essential. Absolutely. I agree. True. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and Jose will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be chatterboxes and long-winged, so that isn't a strict time limit. Uh, This week, I wanted to kind of talk about using this time, this shelter-in-place, isolation time, maybe for having some uh, spiritual growth, maybe for having some time for introspection, uh, because so many of us, especially me, I'll, I'll just speak to myself, um, are using this time, I think, for diversions, right? Filling the space with noise, with Netflix, binging this or that show. And I'm guilty about, you know, listening to podcasts and whatnot. But this is really a time that we could use to maybe be more like monks, you know, read some books, have some quiet time, um, get into prayer, you know, read the Bible, read the Gospels, um, spend time with yourself in silence and to kind of work on your um, interior uh, self. So that's kind of what I just wanted to 
throw that out there. Instead of being distracted and filling our time with maybe um, junk food, <laughs> you know, um, okay. just work on the, our souls, work on ourselves a little bit. I apologize again. I got to follow up on that. Can you guys, do you think you'd be able to just sit alone in a, like a jail cell for weeks upon end happily with a book maybe, or just on your own? You know, when I watch movies, I I think that I'm like, oh, I would totally dig that, right? I could just, you know, sing to myself. But the reality is I can't sit still for five minutes. Like, that's not even driving. And so I know that about myself. I probably would go insane, and, and then they would just find me in, in a, you know, a, a balled up on the floor and a pool of my own feces and urine. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> right, I think I'm right. kind of uniquely equipped for this time in world history because I've always been really happy to be a loner. <laughs> and I, 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 I got to say, though, I need a book or something to read. So it's yeah. not entirely yeah. where I can just, you know, be alone with my own thoughts. But I don't know. I kind of I'm not going crazy like some people are during this time. Jose. Yeah, I'm quite I don't know. I think I'm a balance of extroversion and introversion. Um, I'm happy to sit quietly. Though I think because of my phone and the TV and everything, I want to have some distraction. I want to be, um, you know, intellectually nourished by a podcast or entertained with, you know, TV. But um, I don't know. I'm also an extrovert. I like to be with people and talking and doing things. So um, just having quiet time has been really hard, especially now that I have a baby. Yeah. I just need to be more. I need to be more intentional about having some alone time. Yeah. Yeah, I like what Joel said. You know, to me, when they picture like the 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 prison cell, you don't have books and internet and a phone and right. Netflix and that kind of stuff. So if I have all that, which you know I do at home, I could be here by myself for days. But because I, I can entertain myself, right, and keep myself busy, yeah. keep myself moving, I can engage in things that are frivolous, or I can watch really deep documentaries, or I can listen to podcasts. I mean, so I, I can I can be as as intellectually stimulated as I want to be. Uh, and still be by myself, right? Yeah. Without all those things, I can't just like sit in solitude on a hill, contemplating life. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I, have you guys ever heard of this um, kind of new phenomenon called floating? No. It's where people get in this chamber of water that is, I think it's, they try to get it to the exact same temperature as your body temperature and you don't experience any kind of stimuli. And it it's supposed to be super, super like life-changing. And people use it, you know, as a form of meditation. It's really, really growing. But huh. I think that kind of goes along with what, what, you, what you said. I'm reading a quote right here. It says, blessed are those who do not fear solitude, who are not afraid of their own company, who are not always desperately looking for something to do, something to amuse themselves with, something to judge. I think that you're exactly right, Jose. This could be a great time for all of us. I'm, I myself am totally addicted to Twitter, for instance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy than Twitter. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So that's my Fred talk. Um, Jose, what do you have? Okay. So mine is not as deep as, as, as yours, Jose. But I got to tell you, you know, when I, when, you, when I heard you read off the, the intent of the Fred talk, I thought, okay, at least I'm like in the, the scope of intent, right? Yeah. So I've always been the kind of person, this is just me, bad me, that – when I'm out in public and I see somebody wearing sweats like as their regular clothes, I'm just like, oh, come on. Just put on like a regular pair of pants and regular <laughs> shoes. You're yeah. at a restaurant. You're, you're at, at church. You're you know, you're, you're not a PE teacher. 
you should be wearing regular clothes, right? You're not running. You're not. So to me, that's that's like the ultimate laid back, you know, uh, uh, you know, dude kind of a mentality, right? Well, okay. Right. So then, flash forward to this current time that we're living in, and since the school closure, other than the days that I've had, which was early on, I had meetings at the school district with with district level folks. But that was probably up until about mid of last week. So from mid last week till now, I literally have been wearing sweats every day. And I <laughs> flipping love them. I didn't realize how many sweats I had, for one thing. That's funny. Right? All my sweats I, have pockets. So you can't go uh, wrong with that. Right? No. I've worn socks in a week. That's funny. So for me, you that's are- like totally outside my usual comfort zone. Unless I'm on vacation, right, Joel? You're on the beach. Right. I was just about to say, you're a Hawaiian guy, so uh, you're kind of uh, in summer mode right now. Yeah, but I really am. So I, I take everything bad back I've ever said about folks that I see in public wearing sweats like their regular clothes. Like, I get it now. It's so comfortable. Like, everything. I, it doesn't matter what chair I sit in. It doesn't matter how long I sit. You know, it doesn't matter what I eat. I feel comfortable all day. So, yeah. you know, cheers to, to sweats and, and the comforts they bring us. Heck yeah. That's funny. I agree. I've been in shorts. I don't, I don't own shorts. I don't own sweatpants. I have like gym shorts for sleeping in, but I don't obviously, I mean, obviously I don't go to the gym and work out. <laughs> <laughs> voice. But yeah, no, it's, oh yeah, it's been, it's been life changing. Let me tell you right now. I was on a conference call. Um, couple days ago was it yesterday maybe yeah yesterday and uh, it was a video one no less so i jumped in the shower got my hair all nice and put a shirt on and i didn't wear any pants though (laughs) 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 that's funny that's Uh, waist up i look professional waist down it's casual (laughs) yeah there you go right business on top party down below yeah yeah Aren't you guys worried that some the, the, the conference calls are probably a uh, hundred times, a thousand times more than normal traffic of conference calls, and you know there are going to be slips, somebody walking by behind, or somebody uh, who thought that the mute was on, or that that the uh, what's the mute for video call is on, and and they're like picking their nose or something, and it's going to be really bad. And we're going to get just inundated by this stuff in the coming weeks. It's going to be kind of fun too, though, but I got to watch myself. Yeah. So check out today's, um, uh, the, the SMEA FAQs, that, and we send those out every day to our folks. And the one today, I've been including videos now. My fireside chats is part of the FAQs. And today's video, we talk about using video conferencing as a form of communication for students and staff. And I put a little clip in there of a video that's been going super viral online you'll get a kick out of it joel check it out i will cool i've uh, been enjoying those thanks for that all You're right welcome. fred joel, i want to yeah. make fred uh friendly religious um educational discussions and i want to get back to what jose talked about a couple weeks a uh, couple uh, podcasts ago this idea of discernment and as as uh, maybe a seeker of religion who has lost his faith, I, I want to ask you, Jose, isn't there a problem with people just saying, yeah, my discernment is good, and I have uh, discerned that, for instance, uh, like this crazy group from, I think it's Topeka, that we should be killing gays or that... Uh, 
Because if you are the sole judge of what God has supposedly told you, then uh, discernment totally is, could be based on your own bad psychology. Or, uh, how right. do, do Christians uh, deal with that? When, when, um, when knowledge can come from within you, and being spoken to God, it maybe can be considered within you, then you, and you have no outside basis to, to base things on. It can get dicey, no? I think that's where you have to kind of balance. You should know what the word is, right? You should know your scriptures, first of all. And then what does Jesus teach? So obviously, if you're saying that God is telling you it's okay to kill someone, you know, your discernment is not authentic discernment. It's just you looking to justify murder. <laughs> yeah, no, hatred. that was an extreme case, but um, maybe there is a more subtle case that uh, going to lead to long-term failure, but uh, uh, there's no outside sort of test that you can use to, to gauge oh, your, you know what so I mean? I would, yeah, I, would, I don't know. I think discernment is not an end result. It's a process, if you will. And by the way, I'm so, sorry for interrupting. I want to just bring up this idea that I get sort of barraged by this idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. And I, and I keep on thinking to myself, doggone it, I have never heard, I talk to Jesus all the time, but he's never talked back to me. And how do you really have a personal relationship if, you know, it's a one-sided deal? And so uh, Jose brought up this idea, well, you have to have discernment. And when God's speaking to you, if you contemplate it, meditate on God's word, you'll be able to have this discernment just to bring people up to speed, Jose, but I'm sorry for interrupting. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Right. So I'm looking up the word discernment right now as you guys are talking. This is what I would say. It's not an end result. If you come away from discernment with certainty, I would say you're probably doing it wrong. Okay. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. That's beautiful. Doubt is always useful. Yes, yeah. it's a process. So it's it's kind of like um, finding breadcrumbs on a trail leading you mm-hmm. somewhere, right? And with discernment, you really do have to pay attention to your emotions. You have to check your motives. You have to check, I would also say, um, maybe your desires, your your memories, your thoughts come into play. So if you're like praying and you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, Jesus wants me to have this Ferrari. You know, or Jesus wants me to, um, you know, go out and bang this prostitute. You know, that's not, that's not discernment. Right. right? <laughs> that's just you just leaning into Are you sure, Are you you sure about that? <laughs> right. That's just, just you validating <laughs> what you want. Yeah. So normally I'll say the number so of many the, fake Christians out there. And I call right. them fake because they, they say they've got discernment and they use God's word to, to do these horrible things and, and to have these horrible beliefs. And um, and it's tough when um, for somebody like me who says, no, you got to base everything on evidence and on, on your senses. Yeah. So another thing I would say, though, is authentic discernment will lead you down a painful path. It's How so? Because... Usually God wants you to go in the direction that you don't want to go in, oh. right? So if you're going down a direction that's like easy and you've, everything's going fine and dandy and, you know, it's, you're just indulging everything that you want, every wish you have, that's not, that's not um, true discernment. God is going to take you down a path that's going to um, cause you to 
break free from um, your flesh, basically break you free from attachments. And that's painful. That's a painful process because we all want stuff. We all want to indulge. And God wants you to break free from those things, ultimately. Those things aren't necessarily bad, but those things aren't God. And God kind of wants us to shed those things and, you know, be in relationship with Him. Well said. Wow. Bam. I think it's so ironic that we're going through this coronavirus during Lent. <laughs> it's just, I know. it could not have happened at a more appropriate time, right? It's mega Lent. <laughs> It would be really crazy if, like, we were totally let out. Like, Trump wants us to be all uh, it all to be done on Easter Day. I think he said, or at least Easter time, which oh, would be no. symbolic. Okay, I, I digress again. <laughs> That's funny though. <laughs> it is mega Lent. I posted yeah. a, a meme where it's like um, Jim Halpert from The Office is like, "I'm giving up chocolate for Lent," and God's like, "Oh yeah, also you can't go to the movies." <laughs> You can't watch porn. <laughs> and you can't go to church. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, I've never seen those. I haven't seen oh. those yet. Those are great. All right. So let's move into our, our main topic here. We kind of wanted to discuss today... I think surviving the coronavirus, kind of what we're up to at home. But uh, I think the main topic really is um, kind of how this is all affecting teachers and, and public schools. So, Jose, you're the president of SMEA, the Santa Maria Elementary Education Association. Maybe just tell us a little bit about the heads up you got from the districts or, you know, from anyone really regarding public school closures. Oh my gosh. So really nothing from anyone. And I got to tell you, it's probably wasn't any one person's fault that that's how it went down. Right. And essentially it's like, um, it's like running out to the beach and noticing waves building in the distance and deciding to yourself, wow, do I stay here and do I watch this phenomenon as it rolls in or do I seek higher ground because I'm potentially in the path of danger? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so for us here in the Central Coast, right, because we're smack dab in the middle here, not, you know, this majorly the state between two major metropolitan areas, we kind of saw these waves coming from both directions, especially mm-hmm. from the south, right? San Diego yeah. Unified shuts down and then the county shuts down. LA Unified shuts down, then the county shuts down. Ventura uh, Unified shuts down and it starts making its way towards us. Same kind of things are happening up in the Bay Area. And so I, I, I think most local leaders educational leaders were looking to the county education department and they were saying, well, tell us what we should do. Help us figure this out because we don't want to make a decision to do something. And it turns out to be the wrong choice. Right. And then county ed's going, well, we're looking at the state and we're asking the state, well, what should we do? And so really it was, it was a matter of one person, you know, what's that game where you, uh, Oh, uh, uh, you stack the blocks. No, you stack the blocks up Jenga, right? So you're pulling the bricks out, but nothing's happening yet. And yeah, so everybody's yeah. kind of waiting, well, which one brick are we going to pull that's going to make the whole system just go wild or collapse? And and for us, it was really Ventura Unified, right? When Ventura Unified decided to shut down their district, they're on the border of Santa Barbara. Santa, Santa Barbara City Schools and Ventura County Schools and Ventura Unified, they, they share some kids just geographically, right? So when you shut down the schools and use Santa Barbara, Santa Ventura Unified, all of a sudden you've impacted Santa Barbara Unified School District. 
So yeah. then Santa Barbara Unified shuts down. There's the north end of our, the south end of our county, and that really was the kind of the linchpin for our county to decide, hey, you know what, we're going to shut schools down. But as you can see, that was just phase one of that decision process. And every day after that Friday, the 13th, right? So how weird is that, Joel? Right? Here's, I don't know. Is that a real thing? Because it seems like it is now. 13th. Yeah. yeah. But that was the day that everything just went sideways, right? Right. And school started closing by Sunday the fifteenth. We knew that we weren't going to be open on the fourteenth and the fifteenth, or the on the sixteenth and the seventeenth anymore. We're going to be closing on Monday and Tuesday. And all of a sudden, we have seventeen thousand kids who are just in the wind. Yeah, we met uh, Jose and I and about four, three others at lunch on that Friday, and mm-hmm. we'd been told that we were coming back on Monday and Tuesday. And we were pretty ticked because we could see the the writing on the wall at that point and knew that uh, that would be super risky. Probably that whole week already was with, uh, risky. And so we were kind of like, we were, we were ticked at, uh, in that lunch and at the district for not calling it off. And we're so relieved on Sunday when they finally did. Yeah. Well, so I got to tell you, Joseph, really mixed emotions. I am was getting it from both ends from teachers. They're, I'm getting the, oh, my God, why aren't we shutting down? Why are we open on Monday and Tuesday? Don't they care about us? Which is legitimate. But then I got the, oh, my gosh. I told my kids on Friday that I would see them on Monday. I felt like I had two days to really prepare them and send them on their way and to make sure they were okay. And now – you know they're they're in the wind and I, and I don't and I'm 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 feeling the sense of loss because I was never able to really have that kind of closure with my students and then you know yeah. a few days later the governor says we're not going to come back at all yeah uh, <laughs> I totally sympathize Jose and I definitely would not have wanted to have been in your or the superintendent's shoes and that's why like when people were, were like were sending super angry messages to you guys which I'm sure mm-hmm. they were that that type of thing in this type of situations got to, to end because that was a tough decision. I mean, either way, it's negative. You keep kids in school, right. it's going to be negative. You put kids out. I am really worried about some of our families who are cooped up, maybe three or four families into one home. Mm-hmm. That can be dangerous, you know, and that's something yeah. we all are worried about as teachers in Santa Maria. Right. Especially because some of those people are going out and working every day. So you have all these right. folks living exactly. at home, but they're not they're not cloistered there, right? Some people are going out because they they still need to work. So they're bringing the world back in every day. Yep. Yeah, so we had these discussions as an executive board, um, just kind of speculating about when we might um, be closing, when the schools might be closing. And my thought was, they're probably not going to close um, our school district until somebody is confirmed to have the coronavirus. And by then it would be too late. So I, I think they did make the right choice in closing when they did. And I think that goes back to what the county decided. Um, and of course, you know, they were influenced, I'm sure, by Ventura County. But, uh, you know, obviously, I think the decision on Sunday was made to close the following day, Monday, because there was a confirmed case in Orchid. Yep. Um, I think that was just too mm-hmm. late. We should have probably closed maybe a week before. Although, do you remember, so I really took Luke Laurie's point last uh, week uh, in our podcast to heart when he said, you know, if the government or the school district suddenly closed it without much of a warning, without this wave that Jose Segura is talking about, without seeing it coming, it might have caused panic. You know, when these things are thrust upon you and you're not expecting them, that's when panic happens. I think that like all this stuff happening kind of staggered helped out a, a lot. 
kind of prepared people mentally for yeah. the school closures. Um, and, you know, I'm in touch with my students. I'm in contact with them. And uh, I'm using a, a program called Flipgrid. And uh, the activity I gave them was to do a one-minute response, just update me on what you're doing with your life. And mm -hmm. several students said, hey, my parents are going to work. I'm not bored because I'm taking care of my little brothers and sisters. You know, I'm yeah. making dinner. So I, that to me was really um, – it made me kind of think like, you know, I want to make sure the kids are still learning. I want to make sure they're um, still engaged with the content. But in reality, their parents are going to work, you know, in the fields or wherever they work. And these kids are taking care of their other siblings who aren't going to school. Yeah, I got a, a sweet, sweet gal. Um, and I maybe had put on a little bit too much pressure earlier by telling my, my students, hey, why haven't you done this or that yet? And uh, and then she emailed me back saying, Mr. Kringle, I'm, I'm going to really try hard to get this or that assignment done, but I'm watching, you know, three or four siblings right now. And then it struck me. I'm like, come on, Joel, you've got to stop <laughs> the pressure. And yeah. I don't think that I laid it on yeah. that, but I, we have to be careful about, you know, and a lot of it also might be internet problems. Um, so... Yeah, this is this is interesting times for us doing all this distance education. Oh, it's insane! It's just it's it's wild, and 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 I'm glad you guys brought that up about you know the, we don't think about this, but when our kids go home, there's a whole host of responsibilities that they have that we don't even think about, right? Yeah. And you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day about this. You know, being at home and having to distance teach is not the same thing as being a professional distance like employee, right? I don't have a home no. office set up. Um, my wife's not going to work. My kids aren't going to school. Right. I mean, these, m my life is all back in my house. And now I'm being told that I have to distance teach my classes, right. Right. Whether it's five periods of junior high or, you know, 30, 35 kids in elementary school that I'm having to do all these things while my life is existing around me. Yeah. Right. Yep. So totally. there's no separation now. Now my life and my work life are the same space at the same time. Yep. Right. We've heard tons of dogs. We've heard tons of dishes crashing and all these <laughs> different videos. <That's> <laughs> We've heard people screaming and and you get a real sense of, of what they're like. Lots of little kids voices in the background right now. Yeah, yep. my baby's back there crying right now. I, we were on an <laughs> e-board conference call. And I was like, what is that? Oh, it's just my yeah, baby crying. <laughs> Yeah, Jose, fun. you, though, have such a great advantage getting your kids on to like Flipgrid and stuff, because all you have to do is say, and my, my own son said, Dad, you've got to put clickbait to get your kids on. I'm like, I don't have anything that they really want to see, but you do. All you have to do is, is uh, say, I'm going to bring my baby on right now, and they will all be on. That's kind of cool. That's, I, literally, <laughs> I literally was going to do that, but then she started crying. So then I, oh, I supported that mission. But, uh, yeah, yeah. and I kind of yeah. want to take a step back uh, just a bit, um, Jose, because, you know, we were scheduled to come back on April the 4th, I think, something like that. Back uh, a week ago on that Wednesday. What was that? March 18th, 19th? Uh, last Wednesday was 18th. Yeah. And the district wanted us to actually go in to work, check in, and teach remotely from the work site and I, oh yeah oh okay you know my i this has been such a fast moving train that i forget what a, even a, a week ago what the plan was i totally forgot about that you're absolutely right jose that was the that original was plan right 
Yeah. On the, on the 13th, when we were told that schools were going to close, we were told that the kids would come on Monday and Tuesday. We would, you know, hand out technology and, and pan, packets or, and their textbooks or whatever it was. They'd have a couple of days to get themselves organized. And then starting on that Wednesday, the 18th, students would stay home. And then we would still report to our work sites every day and yeah. then distance teach from our classrooms, which made no sense. Yeah. If it's not safe for the kids to be there, why would we be there? But you got to remember, too, that was back when the, the federal government, the, the CDC, and even our state was saying, well, groups of 500 or, 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 or more should not be together. And then there was, was 250, crazy. right? Yeah. Then there was 50. And now is it 10 now? It's 10 now. Yeah. Right? 10. And I was at uh, watching the online mass the other day, Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. And in the announcements, they were talking about um, confessions. Confessions would still happen. And they were going to have yeah. two priests. So they said that we can have no more than eight parishioners in the church at a time because we had to include the two priests in the count of ten. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, wow. see, that's like, yeah, right? That's the new normal now. Yeah. And that includes standing six feet apart in mm -hmm. line just in the church and including the vestibule. So that, right? that ten people, including the two priests, would extend to the vestibule, which means if you are not that ten, you're standing outside. And then yep. hopefully when you're outside, six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, that, we were having such a good time the other day laughing about all these new technologies we wanted to get rich on that they could use in the church to distribute the host, like some kind of long <laughs> okay. slide. The wafer just yeah. slides down this long slide right into the mouth. Like a or wafer gun? Like, even like a dispenser that you buy from home and it gets blessed. Yeah. And she brought this huge dispenser with like thousands of wafers in it that dispenses one at a time once a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like my God. That, that's like those um, those dog treat dispensers. Yes. yes, that's exactly it. This is sacrilege. <laughs> this is horrible. It's not <laughs> I mean, God. you're thinking practically. Yeah, like DoorDash, but it's like Eucharist Dash or something. Yeah. yeah Eucharist yeah. Express. Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, Jose, that, you know, a, a week ago on the 18th, life was supposed to look a lot different. And then when we had that first confirmed case on that, on the 14th, that Saturday, and by Sunday, they said, hey, you know what? Schools are just going to be closed. Kids are not going to show up except to pick up tech and, and start to get lunches. All of a sudden, the yeah. landscape completely changed for everybody. And then middle of last week, our governor said, hey, you know what? Everybody just stay at home. Yeah. All right. By the way, it's not martial law. We're not on lockdown. What's the other term people are using? Uh, uh, lock, uh, quarantine. Quarantine, um, quarantine. Shelter in place. Shelter in place. There we go. It's, it's not any of those things. It's well, just it's, voluntary. It's voluntary. Stay at home if you can. doesn't mean you can't walk if your dog. Right. I'm going to admit something here. When you guys all said that we were going to come to school and a lot of teachers were really ticked and mm -hmm. rightly so, I didn't get it at first, unless you had kids at home, which tons of teachers do. I would say the, I've, it's got to be the vast majority of teachers have kids at home who need uh, their parents home with them. I was like, well, of course, we're not going to be like around teachers. We're going to be alone in our classroom. But we've seen what really happens. What really happens yeah. is people, they get together and they're touching rails and they're touching, for instance, the doorknob into the staff lounge. Yep. And, and it just it really quickly made sense to me that, nah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, yeah. At first, like, yeah, that, that makes sense. But yeah. The district thought they were doing us a solid by, yeah. saying, by saying, hey, we'll do childcare. 
we'll have our Aces employees watch all your children. Just like, you want to completely not getting it. No, you want to take all of our children and put them in one small location, getting them all mixed together. No, it's a horrible no. plan. You know what? And I don't think that plan ever manifested, even for for CSEA. I believe they ended up. Because you know CSCA are considered essential employees because for some of them for some of the work they do right yeah. that they ended up using their own people to watch staff kids if the kids had to come to work with the CSCA member so the district completely pulled back on this offer of providing childcare. Wow. Yeah, I think that uh, the ultimate super spreaders are little uh, toddlers and and preschool and kindergarten age kids. Those kids have yep. their hands on everything. Yep. Super yeah. spreaders. I like that. And and I have to say, um, our members uh, really stepped up over that weekend. And they were emailing the superintendent. They were emailing the school board. They were even emailing uh, Jordan Cunningham, our state assemblyman. Jose, you put out like a link or something Yeah, yeah. to his email. Our members were just bombarding these people with emails, complaints. I think, Joel, you did as well, didn't you? Yeah, I sent a, an email out, but I was uh, stewing the whole time, wondering if I should, and I finally did, but it was only after our county got its first case. And I live with an at-risk uh, old retiree, and I'm trying to think at that point that, should I go in tomorrow and risk bringing it back to this uh, at-risk person? And mm-hmm. I was probably not going to come in. And I wonder if, if you, Jose Segura, know how many teachers were planning on just not showing up that Monday. I have to believe it was at least a quarter. Well, if you believe social media, it was a lot, right? Yeah. Because that we heard a lot about that on social media, but I'm not going in. And then all the legitimate reasons why they were not going in, right? Like, like you, Joel, somebody in their household was was on the, the list of susceptible people, whether it's by age or medical condition, um, or the fact that their kids' schools were closing and they had no no one to watch their children and they were not going to bring them into a mixed, you know, pool of kids from you know random homes and yeah. other school districts and the communities and say, well, let's all mix them together and have somebody we don't know watch our kids. And so there was a lot of concern. People were were really worried about how they were going to get through these next few days. And, you know, can I call in sick and will I get fired? I mean, there was a lot of questions about a lot of different things. Jose yeah. Segura, can I ask, I'm super curious about yeah, yeah. our unions uh, being in direct discussion the entire time with administration. Is that unique among unions or is that was that going on throughout the state? Because I felt like we were given quite a bit of say and a lot of at least uh, were, were allowed into the discussion the entire time. Um, was that the case or was that not the case? Because I'm, I'm proud of our union for being a big pusher in, in every decision that was being made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so from what I know, right. And just the, the, the locals that I was in touch with, some were and some were not it really just depended on the individual districts and, you know, even districts around us were not necessarily being super forthcoming with their associations, with their unions or, or inviting them into the conversation so that they could at least round robin ideas or you know front load the the union leaders with what the expectations might be so that they can kind of help spread the word not everybody was doing that and and if you know people who are like in Lompoc and other local districts they weren't getting daily updates whether from their association or from their from their um, district leaders and it, I tell you what it wasn't the union's fault for not disseminating information this, they didn't have anything to give right so they were trying right. to pull teeth out of a chicken and they, were, they weren't getting anything so, yeah, so I, I want to think that we were necessarily unusual, but we probably were not 
the norm when it came to how much information we had and how often we were involved in the conversation. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. But the cool thing, too, was we actually had like an emergency e-board meeting at your house, Jose. And we were going through information that other districts were putting out, like from Orchid, I think Lucia Mar and Lompoc. And all of those districts, at least, had uh, told their teachers that they were going to work from home remotely. So that kind of gave us and, so, and, our, and our members um, kind of some ammunition to use in their emails to district uh, higher-ups. Yeah. Like, well, you know, why is everyone else going home and how come we're having to check in and everyone else is not? Our members really needed to let our employer know. And I'm sure they were aware, but you know, it doesn't hurt to reinforce things is that there's legitimate concerns and people have legitimate logistic concerns about how is this going to work. And so that's really what we're encouraging folks to do is get your get your own personal story out there. You know, email the superintendent, email the school board, let them know that it's not as easy as it sounds. You don't just close the doors and then we'll just come back another day. It's there's there's when everybody's closing their doors at the same time. Life is super stressful for everyone, kids, adults, yep. you know, doesn't matter. My dog was probably stressed out. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, um, my aunt, or actually my wife's uncle's wife, you know, aunt, uh, she's a doctor locally, and she has been seeing a lot of people um, coming to her for, you know, stress reasons, anxiety, because people oh, are man. freaking out. They think either they have the coronavirus or they're concerned that their family member or loved one will get it, or their kids are going to get it, you know, or, mm. you know, whatever. This all this uncertainty. And yep. a lot of people are just stressed out and have tons of anxiety. Um, yeah. Are you guys feeling that anxiety at home? I'm not seeing it at all. In fact, um, I live with an older person, and my parents uh, live about a mile away, and I don't want to like stay in a whole generation, but it seems like older folks are completely uh, glib and cavalier about this uh, more so than others. I, I hate to label generations, but the older generation <laughs> just seems to yeah. me to be yeah. so cavalier. Okay, boomer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate that. I hate it. But in this case, it's not boomers. It's the, what is it? The greatest generation. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really have been feeling the stress from the very beginning, but it's mostly because it's coming to me because of my role as the local president, right? And oh, so yeah. I'm getting a lot of people's stresses coming to me, which there's only so much of that you can kind of slough off until it starts to impact you. So yeah. my wife and I have been having this conversation day after day since this whole thing started. It's just like we are both super stressed out, but it's really mostly because we're, we're, we're absorbing a lot of it from other folks. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure put on you are in tough spots. That's for sure. Um, and they have to make tough decisions constantly. I think that we have to give you a a huge uh, round of applause for, for everything. I mean, and, and healthcare workers too. I mean, goodness that they're going straight into the fire is nutty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's insane, man. You know, I, I have had a couple of members email me and ask about, um, you know, we're mandated, mandated reporters, right? So if we if we suspect child abuse, we got to call somebody. That's our responsibility as teachers, right? Okay. Yeah. So they were asking, more than one person has asked me, can as a mandated reporter, if I feel like somebody is sick, can I report them? Oh, oh my. wow. <laughs> because there, there's a child involved. The child lives in the home or, you know, or I'm – and without having all the details in my head, here's what I picture. I picture a teacher either video conferencing or calling the student and they hear somebody coughing in the background 
And they think to themselves, that person's sick. I'm going to call the health right. department or I'm going to call child protective services. I'm like, no. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but, but that's how people are thinking though, right? That's, that's, right. they're stressed and they're, they're like, well, who can I call? Well, I can't call my principal and ask them. I can't call the district. So I'm going to call my union president. Oh my, oh my goodness. goodness! It's like That's the police funny. getting called uh, to report on all these people walking through their neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> heard about that. <laughs> That's pretty wild. They're supposed to shelter in place, and they're walking their dog. <laughs> Come yeah. arrest them! Yeah, oh my uh, gosh! How are you guys holding up with the uh, distance teaching, Joel? What do you got going on? I'm kind of. I really want to get into this because um, I think that the general public to the extent that they're listening, might be super yeah. interested in like all the details. Like for instance, we, and maybe you guys remember the exact numbers of, of Chromebooks. We almost got a Chromebook out to every single student in our whole district, yeah. either a Chromebook or an, or an iPad. It was really, really heartening and amazing and heroic work. And so these kids now all have Chromebooks and um, our district has, and I don't even know the details of this, but has access to um, to widespread Wi-Fi somehow. And um, these kids can get Wi-Fi on their Chromebooks that they take home. And some of them have hotspots. And, um, and so we, a lot of us teachers, have already started this thing called Google Classroom. And my kids and your kids, I know, Jose, um, have done it for months and most of them know exactly how to get on. And we simply yeah. post our assignments on there and we can link to all these great tutorials and, and web tools and technology tools like Khan Academy or like I'm doing an English one called Quill and Jose already mentioned Flipgrid. And, and I mean, I could go on and on. It might be interesting for people to hear what these tools are, but I don't know if it, it not for the heck out of people, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> doing what I normally yeah. do, <laughs> but uh, instead of uh, talking them face to face, I'm talking to them through messaging. And Google Classroom has a, basically comments on all the messages that I send on what's called the stream, and it's really cool. I'm really yeah. enjoying. It. Has anybody uh, heard of teachers in our district using Remind to connect with students or with parents? No, I, I wanted to get that way long ago, and then we got Parent Square instead. Yeah. And it's not the same because I think Remind goes straight to their text, but I find out that Parent Square just sends them a message to, te to, to ch check um, an internet link, which gives them the message. To, to clarify, um, because I looked into this today. So Parent Square actually has a feature where parents can choose how they're contacted. Okay, right, so yes. It's like oh. email, text, um, voice message, whatever. And actually, what I've been doing the last few days is um, when you go to post, it gives you an option to override their preferences. So some of them have it set to have them message them at a certain time of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. I override it and go, I want them to see this message for me right now. Oh, okay. wow. Really? I'll have to check that out. That sounds really powerful. So before you post, click the – there's a button that says override, um, and I just click that, and it sends it to them because um, I want – parents to, to know what's going on right now with their students. Well, I mean, with does their children. Does Parent Square um, translate also for you? It's you send in it Spanish in English? and Mixteco. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if, if you type it in English, it'll translate it to the whatever the designated language is by the recipient. Yes. Right. Okay. And so then, of course, we are totally educating ourselves um, on um, either Zoom, which is where we can all meet. It's like a FaceTime, but writ large, you know, or with Skype. all of us. Or Skype, 
which we're doing right now. What is the, what right is now. the uh, I'm always forgetting the Google version of, of Skype. Hangout. Okay, Hangouts. Yeah, Hangouts. We did this morning. And so, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. And, and we're all totally becoming way more technologically savvy during this time. You know, I just spent the last hour on the phone this morning with a colleague. And this is where it gets inequitable because, you know, she didn't take her computer home from work. And then she has an iPad. That's all she has. And she is on the struggle bus to uh, get content out to the students. And she feels like the, pr- the principal is like on her case. Yeah, I had the same hour-long conversation um, a couple of days earlier, Jose. And um, it is tough on teachers who have not been using technology already. So I was on the phone with this person for like an hour to set up Parent Square, to set up Google Classroom, and then also um, just to kind of reintroduce them to Hapara which I guess you had done previously as well. But yeah. so this is not equitable. Some teachers just aren't, you know, in the tech groove, I guess, when it comes to all this distance teaching. Will, will they not let that teacher get their laptop, like go into their classroom and, and pick it up? Yeah, I advised her to go in and she let our principal know and she'll be going to pick it up uh, tomorrow, I think. Okay. Because I've tried, you know, iPad is not designed for in-depth anything, right? Everything's kind of superficial on it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I've actually written lesson plans on iPad before, and it was an insane night because <laughs> yeah, all yeah. I had. Right, my plane had was was canceled. I was stuck in the city. I couldn't make it back home. I wasn't going to be at work on Monday, so I contacted my principal. I went into the service and set up my sub, and I thought I'll bang out some lesson plans and I'll just email them over. It took me a long time to type those up on you know half yep. the screen is keyboard, half the screen is what I'm looking at. It was insane. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think that those are great for like kindergarten, first, second, but it's tough at, at after that. Yeah, it's it's really not meant for um, yeah getting into the weeds or doing anything technical. Mm-hmm. No, not at but, all. Uh, <laughs> not at all. It's <laughs> horrible. Yeah. It's like you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One of the things I'm doing is um, I set up an Instagram page specifically for my class. And so I've reached out to my students, um, and then my students reach out to their classmates, and they're following my page. And I'm doing things like, hey, you know, take a picture of yourself working, um, you know, doing your homework or whatever, and then tag me in it. And I'm getting all these people, all these students sending me messages and tagging me in pictures where they're taking their tests, reading the textbook, you know, working hard at the computer. So that's one way that I've used to reach out to them. And it's been pretty successful, I have to say. So you know what I love about that is you are totally leveraging what they love to do already in an educational manner. You know, they, and this is what we have to do as educators. We have to leverage what they are already doing, but we have to constantly, as Jose can attest to, we have to say, hey, listen, you're not texting your friends. Let's clean up your periods and your capitals and your spelling. Yeah. But besides that, <laughs> it's still language, you know, they're still, uh, they're still having to communicate. And, and when it's like on an Instagram, it's got tons of cachet. They're like, Oh, I'm all for that. Well, that's where they're at. What, what percentage of your kids do you two think have access to a mobile device? Like, cause you're going to need a cell phone or something, right? To do Instagram. Yeah. I've, I've maybe had like 50 kids reached out to me there. All a right. lot of them are using Google Classroom probably on their laptops. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I actually just ran the numbers on all my 120 or so kids. And I'm getting right around 37%, a little bit more than a third, between a third and, and a 40% of my kids are, are um, 
So it's that's kind of sad when you think of it, but it's also kind of great when you think of all the kids who are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, 40%, but you, that can't stop you, right? And I think that's what's bumming some teachers out is they're like, I'm only, I only have five kids who are on or I can only get a hold of half of my class. And, and it's like, you know, you got to just keep going forward. You can't, you can't exactly. stop because not everybody's on board. You got to just keep on rolling. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I'm doing um, is I'm doing every other day a video lesson and then I'm uploading it to YouTube. And I've had several teachers um, kind of contact me and say, hey, I'm doing the same thing. And I, you know, I watch their videos and, you know, one teacher is using a green screen background and just, you know, using her iMovie or whatever to impose a picture of like a mosque or, you know, something related to her yeah. unit. That's cool. Uh, yeah, there's a the bunch teachers of... Teachers are using technology. Can you imagine all the amazing lessons that are going to be left on the internet if, if teachers will make them public after this? It's going to be, it's going to be like probably like doubled what we're on there before. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Like you said, Jose, I've been using Flipgrid. I haven't done any um, live um, stuff. Have you done any live stuff with your kids like uh, hangouts or like uh, Zoom? My wife has, and she got, I think about 10 kids on um, live with her for a little class meeting. And it was super fun for those kids. Man, I think kids need to see some faces, some familiar faces. I think that relieves them like, like nothing else can. I think I might try it in the in the this week coming up to try to do either Hangouts or Zoom or or, or I don't know what is the best, but I'm gonna research it and um, definitely try that. That is super reassuring for kids. Yeah, they want to see that we care about them. And I think somebody mentioned this before. This is more. Um, I think about the social emotional aspects yes. of our teaching and less of the content, letting the students know that we haven't abandoned them, that we haven't forgotten them. For a lot of our students, the the school is where they feel the safest. It's where they get their mm-hmm. structure. Totally. Yep. I would say that the majority. Yeah. And even the students who maybe sometimes are behavior issues for me, you know, they're reaching out. Like one student said, I'm bored, so I'm going to do your work. You know, so, yeah. so it's like he still has to have that little dig. But at least I'll show you. Right. Yeah, which totally brings up all these uh, memes and and videos that I think you guys have probably seen, where parents are just pulling their hair out and they're saying, "We love you, teachers. You should be making a million dollars a year because of what you have to put up." Now I know I'll never, I'll never. One, my teachers are are always complaining about their salary, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, this isn't schadenfreude, but I'm a bit gratified that they're finally seeing what we put up with. Yeah. There's been some great memes out there. Yeah. Once parents have to homeschool, then they kind of realize what we do. (laughs) So I have to, uh, yeah. And that's really what they're doing, right? So they're homeschooling because we're really not putting kids in front of a video monitor and interactively educating them, right? We're providing them with resources. And saying, well, these are the resources that you have access to. Let me show you how to organize it. Let me dole it out to you in little bits and pieces so it's not overwhelming. But essentially, you're kind of on your own, kid. You know, and and you parent, know, jump in anytime. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm really finding out that maybe our main role or maybe a bigger role than I realized as a teacher is not necessarily content, but as a motivator. And you just can't motivate from afar. Like I'm trying to reach these kids who aren't doing anything and, and I could do it in the classroom with a pat on the back or, or just the right words. But 
That's why we will never be able to get rid of teachers. Technology, if anybody is worried that technology is just going to come in and take the teacher's place, that is not happening. Oh, no. Not Definitely at all. Definitely not. No. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about that, about the, the use of these video conferencing tools like Zoom? We're using Skype right now for this or you know, Google Hangout. And, you know, and I've mentioned this a few times in some of my communications that these are just portals into our private lives, right? So yeah. you know, this idea that right now the three of us are on this – this Skype, but at any point, something inappropriate could occur in the background. Then I have no yeah. control over that because I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Or somebody could say something that's inappropriate or do something that's inappropriate. And, you know, how and about if it's not just the three of us? We know each other. We're doing this because we want to. But if my yeah. principal says we have to all be on at the same time, all 30 or 40 of us, or me and my classroom of students. And so now it's not just a portal into, like, right now, I'm creating a portal into my world for the two of you. But if there was yeah. 30 of us on this call, we'd be doing that to each other exponentially because we'd all be doing it times 30 to each other. Right. There may need to be like some rules, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Uh, and because we're building the plane as we fly it, uh, we don't have the rules in place. But yeah. absolutely. Uh, maybe teachers need to have the option to opt out uh, even because if, if they don't feel like, for instance, that they want us, the whole world to see their house for instance. I don't know. Uh, uh, definitely, uh, we're building the plane as we go. I think for me, all of this, and kind of going back to um, where, when I mentioned the member, and I'm sure there are more members who aren't tech savvy, at the beginning of the year, we all maybe need some tutorial on Zoom or Hangout or Skype or something. And we all need to take time. Instead of spending hours on PLCs, maybe take one hour, we can all work together to set up Google Classroom, you know, or take an hour to, you know, do Flipgrid or Hapara or parents do something to where, you know, everyone is kind of on the same page. Because I'm not confident with setting up a Zoom meeting with my students. That's why yeah. I haven't done it yet. And I feel yeah. like I'm pretty we, tech savvy. Yeah. So you can't control what a 13 year old is going to do. No, no. And, you know, that's another thing. Jose Segura, that, uh, that's all live. And if somebody wants to be appropriate, everybody sees it. That's sketchy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, it really is, you know, and, and, and then now we open ourselves up for some kind of a liability because now all of a sudden there's this window into activity, into somebody's personal life. And like we talked about before, the, the teacher who called me or, and emailed me and said, oh, can I, can I call CPS because I think that somebody's sick at that kid's house? I'm like, well... You know, these video portals are just going to create more of a problem than they're going to yeah. solve because it's going to open us up to not us, you and me, but like the district, our employer to liability because now we're all peering in and, you know, somebody walks naked behind me. I can't control that, you know, and they, they don't know that I'm on a computer doing the video chat because I got headphones on and it's quiet and right. And they're just coming out of the shower. And I think I'm in a quiet space in my home, but really I'm in the the naked shower walking path. Right. Yeah, or your, wife, your wife is texting on her phone behind you or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's spanking their kid, right? I mean, just yeah, they just keep going on and on and on. There's a lot of inappropriate things yeah. that are, and for some households, they're just normal stuff. Right. Yeah. On my uh, couple of the Flipgrids that kids have sent back to me, they just they just cover up the camera, which I told them beforehand. Hey, that is totally fine. If you don't want me to see anything, I just at least let me hear your voice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now tell me, okay, you've been, you two have said this over and over and over, but I don't know what that is. What's a Flipgrid? Flipgrid is like a messaging thing with videos instead. So you're messaging back and forth, but instead of writing it down, you're basically talking. So you talk, you, you maybe answer a question, a really interesting question that your teacher um, posted. And then mm-hmm. all of your classmates can respond to it, including your teacher. Yeah, so usually I'll tell my students, respond to this prompt. And then when you're done, respond to two other students videos and so you kind of get this dialogue going with different um, students videos and they're usually like a minute long minute and a half Mm -hmm. and usually I'll take time and have the students kind of write out their responses first and I'll you know sometimes I'll use a frame a sentence frame or a paragraph frame or something yeah and then the students will write it out so they have some confidence before they record themselves because for as many selfies as they'll take and post on snapchat they hate (laughs) being recorded <laughs> it's shocking it's shocking That's how many funny. takes because flipgrid as soon as you're done recording it says okay do you like your recording and i swear kids will actually record 10 times before they get yeah. a take like oh gosh so really much. yeah they don't like their hair or they don't like the lighting or they don't they think they look fat or whatever yeah and i'm like you know what just put an emoji of your face because you can kind of decorate the the screen Right. Okay. So you could put a you could put a filter on. You could put emojis. There's all kinds of things you can do. They make it fun for the kids. They just drop an emoji over their face. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that they do is, as soon as you're done with the recording, they want you to sort of stamp that recording with a selfie. And kids love that and hate it at the same time. It's not- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like the thumbnail for the video. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. There's all kinds of good stuff out there, but that's one of the best, I think. Okay. So now I know what that is. Okay. You guys kept kept saying it over and over. I'm like, what is that? So it's like the old message boards, except it's a video version of the old message board, video audio instead of typing in, right? Like when we were in college or grad school, right? We did a lot of message boarding stuff. Yeah. Respond to the professor's prompt and then respond to three of your cohorts. Okay. Here I go. Only in video form. who who it's especially really useful for is EL kids, ELD yeah. kids, because you're you're forcing them to to talk, and they like we said they love it and hate it, but man they talk and mm-hmm. and it's so good for them to talk, you know, and they respond to each other and they have to listen, so you know you're dealing with the listening, speaking, reading, and writing all all four yeah. with one program. It's great. Yeah. Well, when that's I cool. when I do it normally, um, I just tell tell the kids, you know, grab your laptop. Let's go outside. And so they, like, they like it because they get to go out into the sun. They sit on the grass. They kind of, I give them, you know, sit like at least 10 feet away from someone else and then just record your message, you know? Yeah. So they get out of the four walls of the classroom. Mm-hmm. They get to the sun. I oh, so this class. is something you were already using in your class before this whole show happened. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. For me. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Were you, Joel? I think that at least 20 teachers, um, all the English teachers, probably most of the history teachers, maybe not 20, but a, a good a good amount of teachers use it. It's awesome. Well, that's cool. And so that's a that that's a, a platform that you can work to transfer it into the distance learning model that we are – like Joel said, right, the building the plane as it's in the air when it comes to distance yeah. learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Flex, sorry, flexible exactly. distance learning. Flexible. Yeah. Because yes. you got to be flexible, right? And like I yeah. said in one of my videos, I don't care what anybody says – Teachers are literally the most flexible people I know because oh. there's no other industry that could do what we've done in the last, you know, eight days. It's just, it's, Amen. it's amazing, right? Yep. I mean, so anybody who says teachers aren't flexible or, or you know, don't like change, 
I, I don't even know how that's even possible to say that with a straight face, right? Yeah. I mean, we we are an, under normal circumstances inundated with change on a regular basis, and oh, then, yeah, totally. but you know, right now in these astronomically different times, we are having to to not only be flexible but change from day to day, and it's not even about. Yeah. I'll do this for a while to see how it works. It's like, okay, t- my Tuesday, my Wednesday, my Thursday are going to be completely different because this is an ever-evolving process. Yeah, I, I'm super excited for folks that they're that that you know that's who teachers are though. They they are the the change agents. Yeah, exactly. Adaptability is our middle name. Yeah, I mean it has to be right, right. And those who don't know, they're going to their peers, right, Joel. They're calling the Joels or the Jose's of the world. And they're saying, hey, can you help me with this thing because I don't know what to do. Right? And then right. now you're trying to have to figure out how do I give somebody instruction and direction without physically being in the same space as them? Right. right. This oh, is not like yeah. getting, you know, helping my mom to program her her clock radio. This is like real stuff that they're gonna have to push out to the rest of the world. And how do you how do you do how do you teach somebody a distance learning technique from a distance? Right. No, it's, yeah. it's really heartening. And then Joel and I actually we're, we're both on the tech committee at our school. So we're the, we're kind of the go-to people for oh this God, stuff. You're the go-to people. What? <laughs> Have you gotten a lot of um, requests for help, Jose? I've gotten about three altogether, and and I, that's kind of yeah, nice three, to, to four, yeah. most teachers know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had very few teachers re- reach out. Just a few. But the ones who re- reach out are um, what Jose Segura was just talking about: the idea that a teacher isn't willing to also to learn. Is is I mean you've got a a bunch of fifty five and older teacher who just have to completely learn all this stuff from scratch and they're yeah. tr- absolutely scrambling right now to do it. Every single one of them are doing it. Nobody's saying no. I'm just not going to do it. And and the idea that we're not willing to to do whatever it takes to help kids is ridiculous. Yeah, and absolutely. we actually have a we have a member who's retiring this year. Um, she's amazing. But, you know, she is doing such a great job, I have to say. You know, she's on Hapara, and she has um, recorded some messages and, um, you know, I'm not sure if they're messages or just lessons or what, but she's recording things, and she's putting them out. Um, Yeah, and this teacher is retiring this year, you know. So it's not like she's like, well, I'm getting ready to retire, so I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to try my best, you know. (laughs) Oh, no. She's to the end doing her best. We totally have to fill in the public on what Hapara does for us. It is so cool. We And it seems a little big brotherish, but it's really important for teachers to make sure kids stay on task. We can see from our own computer exactly what our kids are doing on their screens. As hey, long really? as, uh, yeah. And like it's in real really, time? Real time. Yeah, real time. What? It's really useful because some, you know, kids want to screw around and do what they want to do and they'll spend the whole day on cool math games. Of course, the Chromebooks, if you're wondering, they have already the district filter on them, so they can't go to all kinds of inappropriate sites. But they can also find educational sites that are fun, like, you know, kind of asteroids for math games, sort of. And they'd spend the whole day doing that if, if we let them. And this allows them to reckon literally from our house stop their program from happening on their end and it's yeah. super powerful wow yeah so for example um i had given my students you know back when we were in class an assignment to research a career for avid and one student was on cool math and so from hapara i was able to see they're on cool math games and so i'm able to close that tab and i look over at the kid 
because he's sitting like you know a few feet away and i can see him looking super confused and i can see him typing away he reopened the tab for cool masters and then i closed it and then he looked really confused and then i could see him typing away to reopen it and then i closed it again and then i was like dude i'm closing the tab and it's like oh, oh. And we can also write messages. So when I close a tab, I also write a message saying, hey, get back to work. And they, <laughs> and this is brand new for our school. A lot of other schools have had it for a while. And so they look up from that, like straight at us, like, oh, busted. And it's so yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. That it. is, Joel, it's not like Big Brother. That is Big Brother. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, that totally. is Big Brother. Yeah, it's a good Big Brother, but it's Big Brother. <laughs> yeah. You can, wow. You can see their emails. You can see their Google Drives. You can see everything. So it yeah. blows their mind when they're just a few feet away. Imagine how, how it blows their mind when they're at home and you're, you know, in your, in your own home and that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes, that's crazy. Oh, man. That's so, so every machine in their district has that? Every teacher has access to that, that Hippara? Yeah. Through I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we all have it now. We just recently did, finally. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, awesome. That's pretty wild. Dude. See, I'm glad I'm not an eighth grader right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to ask you guys, like, are we going back to school April 6th or no? But I want to go farther than that and ask you guys to, are you comfortable enough giving a prediction? Because I kind of want to see who's awesome at predicting when we're going to go back. <laughs> you know what? I want to be super optimistic and say, we're going to go back. Kind of. And, and the, you know, there's a really good chance that we're not going back. And I, I read something by Bill Gates today, and it kind of gave me hope that we're going back. And I'm going to say we're going to go back like either end of April, mid-May. I might be crazy, but if you look at kind of China and, and South Korea and, and other, <laughs> and other uh, countries – the curve, they were able to bend it to the point where they're kind of almost getting back. What do you think, Jose? You know, I hate to, to – to, to, this is actually in my, my message today to members is that the answer is nobody knows. Nobody knows right. when we're going back. And expect that whatever your original return date was – and so for us, it's what, April 4th, something like that? Yeah. That those dates are going to be pushed back, and then they're going to be pushed back again, and they're going to be pushed back again um, because people are still out and about. There's a lot of people who are still not taking this seriously. Yeah, Florida Beach people and LA <laughs> people and people all over the place who are just like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's just a flu. So I'll be fine. I'm going to go about my day. Right. If we were China where you could like impose this on people, which is what they did, then that's a different story. But, you know, we don't we're not in that 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 type of government. We right now are make are giving people the the option to do what's right and unfortunately there's too many people who are not doing what's right you know on the beach in Santa Barbara and doing their own thing and hanging out and thinking that oh it's not going to be them and then taking it home to their you know to their loved ones or to their grandparents or even if they're old their own parents who are susceptible because they have asthma or some underlying you know disorder or disease and they're going to get people sick and it's going to drag out so yeah. i am not optimistic at all i don't here's my prediction right now nobody at least in our neck of the woods, is going to see the inside of a classroom until at least the fall. Okay, so my aunt, by the way, she is a listener of this podcast, so shout out to my aunt. She is, I believe it's a physician's assistant, the PA. Uh -huh. And uh, she, yeah, she was saying, that's her prediction. She was saying, we're not going to be back to school probably until after August. Mm-hmm. 
do you, are we going to delay the opening of school since we start way earlier than most districts? Could this still be going on in the summer? Right. You know, San Luis Coastal and San Maria Bonita both have the same student return date. I think it's oh, like really? the whatever that date is, the 14th or something like that of August. And then Lucia yeah. Mars, there's just a few days later. I believe it's the fall. We come back on a Thursday. And then Lucia Mars starts on the 17th, which I think is the Monday afterwards. So they're fairly close. They're not exact, but they're fairly close. Sam Reed joints on the same schedule as we are, or get more or less on the same schedule as we are. Um, so, but you're, Joel, it's a good question, right? If this thing pushes into summer, can we ramp back up as quickly as we ramped down? Yeah. I don't think so. Can oh, you fire yeah. a whole district back up as quickly as you shut it down? I don't think you can. Right? That's crazy. And yes. if they're going to clean every Crazy. classroom, if they're going to be doing that kind of stuff, that's going to take time. Yeah, so I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, I know that the government, the the state has the flexibility to reduce the number of days in the school year, and still, you know, call it a full school year. I think they can go down as low as one sixty-five. Because that happened during the fires, right? During the big fires a few years ago, right. some districts were closed for for weeks. They actually. Uh, were given permission from the state to reduce their number of school days down to, I think, 165 was the lowest you can go. But, you know, that's a significant drop from 180. That's, you know, three weeks of school. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that just brings up the idea of making online education eventually earn credit. And that's when inequities really come into play. Mm -hmm. When kids don't have um, good Wi-Fi, they don't have the coverage that other kids have, they get behind big time and fast, and we cannot let that happen. No, but is it going to happen? Oh. Yeah. But then also, here's my question, and more of a practical one. So we basically gave out all of our Chromebooks, right? There's only a few we didn't give out. So if they don't come back, how do we get the Chromebooks? Do we want those back? (laughs) <laughs> they better be clean when we get them back i'm just saying i know with some of these search uh results that are coming back i don't know if i want them want the chromebooks back yeah. i mean I, I would say hey you know a district start looking for a chromebook supplier to give you to buy seventeen thousand brand new chromebooks that that's crazy i would though i would say let's stop buying at least let's stop buying english textbooks because so many english teachers we can do everything on public access and stories in fact most of the stories nowadays in textbooks are already um public domain so we english teachers are and jose's even though your history you can vouch for this we're so used to just taking st- material articles, stories off the internet. We don't really even need a textbook anymore. I wish instead they would buy text. I mean, uh, Chromebooks or computers with that money. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a pie in the sky thing that'll never happen. But hey, you never know, though, right? As long as you can meet the Williams Act uh, rec- requirements when it comes right. to materials. If everybody had the same materials and they were loaded with stories or access to to, to different things, so that the kids could still learn. Why not? I mean, it's just another version of a textbook. Yeah, and they are so used to doing it. True. Wow, so that's super cool to know. I didn't realize that that you know that you guys did so much of that, and you use public domain stories, right? So not there's no there's probably not stories in your books like there is for elementary. That's though that's true. The elementary teachers probably don't, but man, we can get away with uh, Edgar Allan Poe, and we can get uh, Jack London, and and so many great authors have great stories that are all free. And easily enough to to fill our entire curriculum. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. 
So yeah. So when when do we go back? I don't know, but it won't be what soon. I can say? tell you that. Come on, Jose. I don't know that you've given us a date. Do you think fall? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I think after August, maybe um, September ish. Crazy. That's just my ballpark guess. And well, I, I thought it was crazy that we were looking at a couple weeks, and here we are. Like, are we going to finish this <laughs> right? Year? No. I no. have students messaging me, emailing me, and saying, uh, "Are we not coming back? Are we not having a graduation?" We have students who are valedictorian oh, who are yeah. quite upset that they are not graduating on stage. But it's, hey, all right. Yeah, so the know. winner has to buy beer for the other two. I think that Jose, <laughs> uh, Jose's are both sort of in the same boat. I'm the maybe the optimistic and maybe you naive are, person. Girl. Yeah, the optimist. That's way optimistic, but uh, <laughs> you guys are laughing at me right now, but we'll see. We'll see. Hey, I, I know we all want to get back to normalcy, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's wishful thinking. It's it's going to yeah. be it's going to be well. Because so is anybody else watching the governor's uh, press conferences? I have been. Been. He is so intelligent, and I'm just a little concerned that he's talking over everyone's heads. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> It's like he's talking way too high level, you know, over people's mm-hmm. heads. And then Trump is just like way below people's level. <laughs> yeah. In the gutter. Like Trump, <laughs> we talked about a, a translator last time. Trump would be the best translator for Newsom. He'd be sitting <laughs> right translating in his own language. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So my wife and I have taken it upon ourselves to make it a, a regular evening event where we watch the, the, the daily governor's press conferences. And that's where we but that's where you learn a lot. That's where you figure out what's going on and really what's the state doing and what are they planning? And, you know, should I be concerned about stuff? And then every day he comes on, and he says, oh, we're getting more beds for hospitals and we're buying ventilators and we're using predictive models to determine you know and like oh, okay so you're actually using like information and science to figure out where we're going to go instead of just pulling things out of your butt and saying whatever you want yeah you know, like some people are doing um yeah. so it's, it's actually I, I know sometimes when he talked and you can you can see him do this though he'll say something you know he used the word codified twice the other day in, in one of his speeches <laughs> and so i'm thinking to myself do people know what that word means it's not like a word you hear all the time right even me, Monique looked over at me, and she's like, "What is that?" And she thought maybe he like misstated himself. <laughs> um, but then you could see him go right back, and, and then his next sentence is essentially a regular version of what that means, so that everybody understands what he's talking about. Um, oh. So at least he's aware that you know he speaks at a certain level, and that he needs to make sure that he's reaching as many Californians as possible when he's sharing his message. But I'm just blown right. away by how much stuff our state's doing. It's amazing to me. Yeah, so we're on the cutting edge. Yeah. Right. And then other states are just like, Hoo-hoo. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we're not Florida. That's for certain. Oh, man. Yeah. I see some of these other governors on TV. I'm like, dude, how did that guy ever get elected? Yeah. <laughs> he was the smartest one in the state. Sorry. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. But yeah, you know, our, our state's prepared. It's just, we just need to get our, our, our fellow Californians to do the right thing. Stay yeah. home. So, yeah, let's let's wrap it up here by um, just kind of going around. Joel, kind of what's going on in your world? What are you guys doing at home? How are you staying sane? So I am, and I should probably say this um, for my uh, outro, but we are watching such great videos. And I always poo-pooed Jumanji because of, I, I thought the first one with Robin Williams was kind of crap. 
but the, the these recent ones with the rock are just so fun. <laughs> we're sitting there just laughing the whole time. That's and funny. I don't know. I'm sorry if you guys love the first one, but I Classic. just love. I love watch those the last couple nights, and and I'll save the other ones that that I. So we've been watching a ton of videos and um, and reading. Uh, reading books and, and online stuff. And I've been scaring the heck out of myself by watching too much Twitter. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you guys? It's a lot of crazy out there. Um, so for me, I think it goes back to what I was just saying. My new, my new jam is uh, Governor Newsom press conferences. You know, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> You're such a nerd. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's awful. But I watch them start to finish, you know, and um, I try to get catch them live if I can. If not, I'll, I'll, I'll watch them, the recorded version of it, and we'll kind of break it down. Okay, what's important to us, what's not, and, you know, look at the numbers, seeing how they're different from the day before. And so it's just become, become this whole kind of like analytical game now that my wife and I will sit, we'll watch the press conferences, and then we'll chat about it as it's going through. And then sometimes we'll watch it on, on um, Facebook, but if you watch it through, the, uh, through his Twitter, you get all the Twitter comments on the screen at the same time yeah so now i'm i'm okay so I, I i took the nerd one up one level and now we're we're, we're casting it to our tv so we can watch it on the big tv <laughs> that's what i do for math yeah i do that for math right away what, yeah. dad <laughs> no we're watching the governor that's we're funny. reading we're reading the twitter comments of all the morons that's so awesome did you yeah, uh, so that's that's what we're doing did you see Trump's press conferences with Dr. Anthony Fauci? His, uh, I forget, the guy was in some doctor of one of his departments. And this guy, you just watch him. He's like shaking his head. He's rubbing his yeah. foot. He's massaging his temples. And you can see that he's just listening to Trump like, this guy's a f***ing idiot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I watched that doctor on, he does interviews like with cable stations and stuff. Super smart guy, super on top of it. But he, he's not going to just like, you know, cock block the president, jump in there and, you know, tell everybody, no, no stop listening to him. Here's what's really going on. So he, he, the poor guy just stands there. Yeah. yeah. Waits turn. But he's almost kind of damned the president with faint praise by saying that publicly. He said, I can't basically embarrass him by contradicting <laughs> him right on camera. And that's yeah. where we are. It's so crazy. That's where we are with this president. Oh my well, God. I, I watched him the other day, and he kind of did because yeah. the president went on there and said, "I like this hydroxy whatever medicine; it's promising." And then the the reporters asked the doctor, and he's like, "Look, I'm a scientist. Um, there's no evidence <laughs> this works. There's been no trials. There's nothing to show." Right? And the reporters okay. like, "Well, aren't you contradicting the president?" He's like, "No, no, 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 no. That's what the president feels, and I'm just a scientist. I'm just saying what the facts yeah. are." <laughs> Yeah, and you heard what happened in Arizona, right? A couple no, of retirees used, um, I can't remember what the substance was, and died because of it. So, like, Trump's messages are killing people. They used some medicine that had way too much of the stuff Trump was uh, was um, selling and died because of it. So, uh, wow. oh, yeah. really? Was that hydro, hydroclopine or something? Hydroclopine? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and that's the oh, person and his wife is. took it, and within thirty minutes, the guy was dead, and the wife had to go to the wow. hospital. Yeah, that's insane. Nice going, Trump. Yeah, Jose, what yeah. you been up to? We're you know binging Netflix, Hulu, lots of Real Housewives. I gotta say, 
Yeah, no joke. <laughs> which city? And then which city? All of them. All of them. Because don't you like separate them into LA and Atlanta and all kinds of different ones? I don't watch Atlanta. Okay, I can't even. But we'll watch, uh, you know, OC, Beverly Hills. Right now we're watching the Real Housewives of New York. We started back from episode one, season one. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that's those 11 awesome. seasons. And uh, what else? Wait, now, uh, with the Housewives one, is there any guilt at all to that? Oh, there's is tons it of pure bad cheese, man? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's there's... <laughs> You know, you're watching the drama unfold between these ladies have, who have way too much money. You know, mm-hmm. I watch these shows. And I'm like, you know what? I don't feel bad that we're taxing the crap out of the rich. <laughs> these ladies have way too much money. <laughs> the problem is we're not. Well, I know we should be. But uh, and then just taking care of my 16-month-old. You know, she's running around and she's getting bigger. So that's my life. And trying not to drive my wife crazy. I have a bunch of honeydews that I'm doing. Just keeping the house clean, you know, not trying to go too stir crazy, you know, like the shining or something. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Any any final thoughts on, uh, on this topic here? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of the cool bases. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to remind people stay home. We can flatten the curve. If you stay home, go out for essentials, go out for groceries, medicine, whatever, but stay home as much as possible. That's the only way to flatten the curve. So, yep. And but, when you are out about social distancing, take yeah. your six, own, own your six foot. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Go out, just stay away from people. Like some people think you can't take walks, go out and take a walk. It's good for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you're staying away from people. Yep. Don't exactly. congregate. Don't, you know, yeah. just do your thing. Take your dog out. They'll love you for it. So for our outro, we like to um, share one thing that we are listening to or we're watching or reading. Um, Jose Segura, what do you have for us this week? I thought we just did that part. <laughs> no, it kind of blended together. <laughs> kind of did. We did. It kind of blended. Okay. Right, so, we... <laughs> so here's what I've been doing late at night after I'm done working. is I um, The new season of, of Westworld has started a couple weeks ago on hbo oh yeah it's it's been two years since the second season ended which was a lifetime ago so i went back and i rewatched all of season two just to kind of reorganize myself and then i went online to read the summaries of the episodes because as i'm watching season two over again i'm thinking to myself this doesn't make any sense to me i don't even know what's going on yeah so everything out of order Yes. And so I feel like I, I, that was actually turned out to be really, really good because the last couple of episodes of season two, there were two timelines that were running um, that they were showing us at the same time, back and forth, not saying that, but back and forth, cutting back and forth. And I really wasn't aware that I was looking at two completely different timelines. And then when I finally figured out, I didn't know which scenes were part of which timelines. So thank you, Internet, yeah. for clearing that up for me. Oh, good. <laughs> and now I've started, I've watched the first two episodes of season three, which I'm not really sure I'm digging, but I'm going to keep watching and go from there. Stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, what do you got going on? Okay. Jose just took everything because I have totally been watching that, <laughs> but I love it. And, and 
that uh the production value on this show is I always talk about production. It's kind of lame, but is just oh. amazing. I mean, right? super, super. It's like watching a really high end movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, first episode took place a lot of uh, the time in what was it, Singapore, which is super modern. And it just really came through that since he took that. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, the plot against America which I read the book. It was by Roth a while back. And it it is so applicable to what's going on right now in our world. It's basically takes place in the 1930s. Believe it or not, um, who is that? Oh, yeah. Charles Lindbergh was Mm going to run for president. And he was a full-on Nazi sympathizer. And he could have totally changed this this country if he won. And it's all about him winning or him. I think that uh, he's going to win and what would have happened. And it's it's the first two episodes were just really good. But it has so much to do with what's going on right now with with wow. uh, people kind of wanting an authoritarian in, in office and just mm-hmm. loving an authoritarian in office. And so that's kind of what's going on with, with the, with the yeah. show. It's kind of oh, like awesome. um, Man in the High Castle. Just like I was Hulk just thinking that, too. I yeah. haven't watched that, but I'm going to start. Yeah. What about you, Jose? So, you know, my wife and I have been binging this uh, Showtime show called Dexter. Um, yeah dexter it's so good there were eight seasons each uh season is about 12 episodes long uh it stars anthony michael hall who plays dexter who um basically is a psychopath but he's a psychopath who works for the miami metro um, police department and he's on the homicide team he's a blood splatter analyst so by day he goes to crime scenes, investigates murders. At night, he's out, uh, basically killing <laughs> uh, criminals who, <laughs> you know, slip through the cracks of justice. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really awesome show. We're loving it, you know. And he's always it's kind of like Breaking Bad, where he's in these tough spots where you're like, "How's he going to get out of this?" And he's uh-huh. so brilliant. He figures out how to wiggle his way out and escape, you know, the strong arm of the law himself. How far into it are you? We are on the last season, halfway through. We're on episode six. So we're oh, six dude, episodes sure. away. You burned through it. Oh, yeah. We're almost done. But uh, wow. what kind of bumps me out is I heard from some people that the last episode sucks. That it's kind of like lost. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, That's no, so don't say that. Uh, so I don't know I don't what happened. I've ever heard of a long series where the last episode didn't suck. Can you guys think of a single one? I mean, just that's people saying, "No, don't stop." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mash. Did Mash have a good last one? I guess that's actually a great, great example because that was an amazing last episode. Yeah. Yes. Good job, Jose. Alan Alda had to <laughs> kill a baby in a bus because it was screaming, and they're about to be uh, found out by the North Koreans. Oh, anyway, I think that's yeah. yeah, that was a good one. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Jose, for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. Be sure to find us 
on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you so much to Jose for joining us and sharing your expertise. We appreciate you. We'll see all of you guys next week. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Tap thank your you, thank, thank you. Against the street. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Cheers.